kindly turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Heather's going to read two sections from Proverbs. The first is in Proverbs chapter 1 verses 1 to 7 and the the second chapter is in Proverbs chapter 4. So come on down Heather. I know the first one's on page 449. I'm not sure about the other Bible. I'm not used to sitting up the front, and gosh, that um, singing just then was fantastic when you're sitting up the front. It was wonderful. It was just uplifting. Okay, Proverbs 1, um, to start with. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now if you go over to chapter four of Proverbs, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honour you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendour. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil.
Uh, let's bow in prayer. <clears throat> Father, thanks so much for your word, and we thank you that uh, wisdom comes from knowing you and from listening to what you have to say. Father, we pray for ourselves now and for the children as well, that we would always, that we would all be growing in the wisdom that comes from on high. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oscar Wilde once said, I'm too old to know everything. I think it's a little nugget of wisdom, actually, because at what stage of life do we know everything? It's when we're young, isn't it? <clears throat> it's when we're young and we know just enough about life to be confident that we are that we're right. We've got it all sorted out. But the longer we live, the more we realise how much we don't know. I love the proverb from, or the saying from an English poet who uh, once wrote, I, w <coughs> I used to have six theories on raising children and no children. Now I have six children and no theories. And it's right, isn't it? Because the, the older we get, we realise that uh, life is it's not always so black and white. It's not always so simple. And what we need is not just basic knowledge, but we need wisdom. Now, they say that wisdom is like a good wine, that it matures with age. But yet, age doesn't necessarily make a person wise, does it? I met a man a couple of years ago who was uh, about the same age as myself in his uh, late 50s, whose uh, body was badly damaged by his lifestyle. And it was so badly damaged that he couldn't move his body properly. In fact, he'd had to quit uh, work. He couldn't work any longer. He couldn't derive an income because he can't move properly. And he told me that for decades that he'd ignored the advice of his doctors uh, to change his lifestyle. And yet he went on to say, and I quote, if I could live my life over again, I'd do it exactly the same. He'd grown older, but had he grown wiser? Now, in our second sermon on wisdom, we, uh, today we turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, I think, is a favourite book amongst Christians. We love the book of Proverbs. And we love it for a number of reasons. I think one of the good things about Proverbs is that it's actually very easy to read. Have you noticed that? I mean, when you're reading through... There, there are some Old Testament books which we really need to put a, a lot of hard work into understanding them. Uh, for example, the books that uh, teach us about the law of Moses, like Deuteronomy, uh, lots of laws to work through and lots of interpretative grids to uh, take them through and so on. But Proverbs isn't like that. Proverbs doesn't de detail for us uh, God's laws. Uh, but what it does do is it actually helps us to navigate life so that we don't even break God's laws. It helps us to navigate life so that we don't become, put ourselves in a situation where we might become a murderer or an adulterer or a thief. And 
we don't have to work so hard at understanding the history of ancient Israel, as good as that is to do. And I think we benefited from that when we were looking at 1 and 2 Chronicles just uh, recently. But with Proverbs, it's like you can just open up any part of Proverbs at any chapter, any verse, read the verses, understand the verses, and think about how to apply the verses. And so we love the book of Proverbs. But we need to be careful with that, um, just taking the, you know, a couple of verses from Proverbs and immediately uh, applying them, because different sections of Proverbs are, are, diff are written in different ways. Some of the, uh, the wisdom is uh, in the form of instructional sayings, and we see that in the early part of Proverbs, that we look at some of what we'll look at today. But uh, much of Proverbs consists of um, pithy, punchy kind of two-liners. And we love that, but that's probably the area where we need to be a bit careful. Uh, for example, come with me over to Proverbs chapter 26 for a moment. In Proverbs 26, I'm going to read from verses 5 to 6 when you've got that open. Okay, Proverbs 26, verses 5 to 6. Now, when I read this out, you think about what is it that uh, is a bit problematic with this, um, these two verses. It says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll become like him yourself. The next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, or, you, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Now, do you see the problem there? It's a bit of a contradiction, isn't it? I mean, so do you answer a fool or do you not answer a fool? I mean, if you only apply verse 4, then you would never rebu rebuke a fool when maybe you should. Or if you only apply verse 5, then you'll be rebuking fools when maybe you shouldn't. So what is it? Well... I think what we see here is that the proverb is saying that life is complex, that life is not simple. Uh, and sometimes in the presence of a fool, the best response is silence. On other occasions, a rebuke is the best response. But what you notice here is that the, um, the, verse, the verses don't actually tell us what the, what the best response to make is. Uh, it actually, it means that uh, we need to exercise a bit of thinking, we need to be wise, because the wise person will need to assess the situation and to assess the likely outcome before proceeding. And so what it's telling us is that uh, it's not simple. You might have to apply your brains to working out the situation. These are the two possible outcomes. And I think that's, that's, that is kind of like a bit of a snapshot of the, the purpose of Proverbs uh, as a whole, and the purpose of the book. So I want us to look at what the purpose of the book of Proverbs is, and then we'll move on a little bit from there. Uh, go back to chapter 1, and because the book starts by explaining what its purpose is. And I'm going to read the first three verses again just to refresh our memories. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, 
for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. Now, uh, in this collection of Proverbs, some, there are some Proverbs that are written by other people. Um, there's a guy by the name of Agar, and some of his Proverbs are in the collection. King Lemuel, the mysterious King Lemuel, he's in there as well. But the bulk of the, pro of the Proverbs are actually the uh, originate uh, from King Solomon. So by and large, this is the wisdom of Solomon. Now, what is the purpose of Proverbs? Well, what does it say? It's so that the reader might acquire wisdom and do what is right, what is fair, and what is just. But I want to point out that there is a connection here between uh, living wisely and living a disciplined and prudent life. Did you notice those words? Discipline and prudence. Let's talk about those for a moment. A prudent life. What is prudence? Prudence means to live carefully and to live thoughtfully now with a view to the future. That is to consider your present actions in the light of where that takes you, in the light of future consequences. And I think that this is why the business world loves this word so much. Um, they talk about you know, prudential societies and so on, superannuation funds, etc. Um, and it's because uh, what they're saying is that if, you, if you're careful with your money now, if you don't squander your money and if you save your money, then the future is going to look good for you. The way you act now affects your future. Although Proverbs is more than just about being prudent in your business life. It does actually include that, but it, Proverbs is about being prudent in all of life. Think before you act, because there is a future. Now, wisdom also means a disciplined life, and that's about self-control. Um, I think this is different to the wisdom of our world sometimes. Um, the, the, how are proverbs communicated? How are, how are our society's proverbs communicated these days? I think it's through memes, isn't it? Memes are like proverbs. I'm not going to, going to attempt memes. My children would tell me, Dad, don't do that because you will in inevitably get it wrong. You don't understand. My, my I'm back in the 1990s and 80s where, where proverbs were communicated via bumper bar stickers on cars, which we saw a bit of last week. But another I remember back from the 1980s was the proverb of the day back then. I think it still applies now is the proverb, if it feels good, now some of you can finish the sentence, can't you? If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. That's the proverb of this age. Don't let anything hold you back. Not even consequences 
You do what you feel like doing. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden. Follow your heart. Yet you know what? In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it tells us that the human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You want to follow that? So that without discipline, that without that self-control, and without prudence, without thinking about consequences for the future, our sinful nature has free reign to rule over our lives and it takes us to where perhaps we maybe, in retrospect, wouldn't want to go. And that's why we need wisdom. But notice who wisdom is for in these verses. Um, question, can a person ever be too young or too simple or too wise to benefit from wisdom? Have a look at verses 4 and 5. Verse 4, the purpose of the book of Proverbs, for giving prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Now, what we see here is that wisdom is not, uh, is not limited uh, to any particular category of person. It's not limited to a person's intellect. Um, having a high intelligence quotient, a high IQ, it's not the same as having a high WQ, that is a wisdom quotient. Uh, the ordinary person, the basic, simple person who uh, knows how not to get into a situation where they commit adultery is in a far better person than the Rhodes Scholar whose personal life is a, is a train crash because they don't have that wisdom. Uh, nor is wisdom limited to age, because despite the, um, the brashfulness of youth and the zeal and enthusiasm of youth and the confidence of youth, which I think is fantastic, there is no better time in life to gain wisdom than when you're young. You can't start too early. Uh, you, you need, we need to have wisdom uh, it's better to have wisdom before the big decisions of life are made, the decisions which can potentially end up in big mistakes, which can set the course of your life. Nor is wisdom limited by wisdom, because the truly wise person can't get enough of more wisdom. The truly wise person knows that they understand how complex life is and the more you understand how complex life is, the more you crave to be wiser and to be wiser. So wisdom is for everyone. How valuable is wisdom? The wisdom of Solomon was legendary. Uh, you remember in uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, there were two women who came to Solomon for a, to adjudicate over a conflict that they were having. Both women claimed to be the mother of the same baby. How did Solomon adjudicate that situation? He didn't have to use a DNA test, did he? What did he do? He used wisdom because wisdom told him that a true mother would never allow harm to come 
to a baby of hers. And so he proposed that the baby just be <coughs> cut in two and the women be given 50% each. Solve the problem equitably. Because he knew that that would actually reveal who the true mother is. The one who would back off and say, give the lady, give, give the other lady the child. Now, how did Sol Solomon become so wise? Do you remember when we saw this in uh, <clears throat> 1 Chronicles, that when Solomon, when God offered to bless Solomon, Solomon could have asked God for anything. He could have asked God for, for power, he could have asked God for, for wealth, but instead he asked God for a wise and discerning heart because he valued wisdom above all else, at least at that point in his life. But in fact, if you turn over to Proverbs chapter 4 for a moment... Now, here, this is instructional sayings. This is Solomon addressing his sons. What's his advice for them? Have a look at verse 5. In verse 5, he says, Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she'll watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore... Get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honour you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendour. Now, I want to ask you, what is the most valuable physical asset that you have? Your mobile phone? <clears throat> Your house, your car, your superannuation fund. What would you swap wisdom for? What, if you had to buy wisdom, how much would, what would you be prepared to give up so as to attain wisdom? Well, what does verse 7 say? Though it costs you all you have, get understanding that's how valuable now i'm not suggesting you give up your house or your <coughs> superannuation fund or even your phone maybe your phone um but uh you get the point there don't you this is how important wisdom is because verses 14 through to 27 tells us that there are two paths which we can take in life now, the first path in verse 14 is the path of the wicked. And in Proverbs, the wicked and the fool, they tend to be a little bit interchangeable. But verse 14 is the path of the wicked. That is, those who allow their sinful hearts to have free range over their lives. What is life like for them? Verse 16. For they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Now I want to say that this person has got two problems in life. First of all, they are not satisfied until they cause problems for someone else. 
So they lie in bed scheming and anxious about that and worrying. And what they eat and drink is, is ill-gotten. But it's not what they consume that's the big problem. It's what consumes them. They can't get a good night's sleep as they lie in bed scheming and thinking about how to do evil to the person who they don't like. So they don't sleep very well. Secondly, the path of the wicked has got no street lights. Have a look at that in verse 19. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Have you ever experienced deep darkness? I mean, <clears throat> real darkness? Uh, the kind of darkness where you can... <clears throat> it, it is so dark that you can put your hand in front of your face and you can't see your hand. Ever experienced that? It's actually quite frightening. A number of years ago, our family was on holidays in Vietnam and we were in, a, um, in an underground tunnel, very small, very narrow tunnel that the Viet Cong used uh, as they were fighting in the, Viet in the Vietnam War. There was a group of us, it was us and the Hanson family, and um, our daughter Alyssa, she was behind everybody else. She was last as we made our way through this tunnel, kind of bent down and crawled through it, and that sort of thing. She didn't have a, a torchlight. And then when we all went around a bend in the tunnel, guess what happened to her? she found herself in darkness. And because she didn't want to trip over, and she didn't want to hit the wall, before she because she actually didn't know what direction to go, she stopped. And the more she stopped, the more we went further, the more we went further, the darker it became for her. She was in deep darkness. That's terrifying. She's a smart girl. She had a camera. She thought to herself, if I just take a photograph, then the flash will flash. That'll give me a flash of light and I'll be able to see what direction to go. That's what she did. What the flash revealed was a large bat flying straight towards her face. The photo is fantastic. The photo is fantastic. You see, that's how the, the path of the, of, of the wicked is like that. The path of the wicked has, is, is blackness. It's, it's darkness. And they, they can't see the obstacles. And so other people can see the collisions that they're heading for, the walls they're about to bang into, the things that they're about to stumble over... But the fool can't see it. And when the disasters happen, they don't understand why. And so they blame others. Blame the government. Blame the family. Blame the legal system. Rather than take responsibility for the course they've chosen. The path of the wicked. They claim to be victims. But there is a second path. And we see it in verse 18. 
The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Now this is the person whose life is characterised by light and therefore it is characterised by clear vision. This is the person who can see where they're going, who down in verse 27 doesn't swerve to the right or to the left but who keeps their foot away from evil. This is the wise person, the prudent and the disciplined person. It is also the person who knows God. Uh, you see, Israel was not the only ancient nation to produce books of wisdom and proverbs. The, the Egyptians, they had their books of proverbial wisdom. The Babylonians, they had their books of proverbial wisdom as well. And it's interesting, in fact, that uh, when we compare some of the Egyptian and the Babylonian proverbs to the proverbs in the Old Testament, that there are, there's great similarities. And some, you know, unfaithful scholars have said, well, that's because the, you know, the Israelites just copied from the Egyptians and therefore it's not really the word of God and so on. But rather, this is actually what we would expect because proverbs are observations about life. And the proverbs of the Bible, though, uh, whilst making similar observations about life to the Egyptians and to the Babylonians, they're actually quite distinctive. The distinctive of the Bible is that this world and all of life flows from God the Creator. Remember that when God finished his work of creation, that he looked at all that he had done and he saw that it was very good. Remember that? Which means that there is observable design, which means that there is observable good order in this world. But it is good order that has been disrupted by sin. Now, in Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart that there is no God. Now, whether this is the, uh, uh, the genuine, sincere atheist or whether this is the, uh, the mass of people who might even say that they believe in God but just live as if they don't believe in God, live as if he doesn't exist, uh, they see that there is order in the world, but they can't explain the order. They see that there is disorder in the world, but they can't explain the disorder either. And so stumbling around in the dark, they invent their own meaning for life. Just as some of us once did. But take a look at Proverbs 1 again, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Over in uh, chapter 9, verse 10, it goes a little bit further and says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because knowledge and wisdom go hand in hand. But how is this so? Well, we don't fear the Lord 
in the same way that we might fear a person who is angry, violent and unpredictable. We're not talking about that kind of fear. What we're talking about here is to fear the Lord is to honour him uh, knowing that any judgment that he makes of us would be right. right? And when we fear the Lord, we realise that the orderliness that we see in creation is an expression of his great wisdom. Wisdom which we saw uh, is shown in its fullest uh, last week uh, in Christ. In Christ who is the wisdom of God. In Christ who by his sacrifice means that our sin is dealt with and means that we are restored to God's good order. So that even fools, even fools like us, can become wise. Understanding the world and living in the light of the gospel. Now that's hard though, isn't it? One of the reasons we love the book of Proverbs is that it, I think it resonates with our experience of life and we love reading it. I actually checked this out the other day in, in my Bible. <clears throat> when I read a book of the Bible and finish reading it, I put a little tick next to it on the table of contents. I've been doing that for the last you know, number of years or so. And uh, so I checked, well, how many times have I read one and two Chronicles? There's four ticks. How many times have I read Proverbs? There's 20 ticks. <laughs> because we love reading Proverbs. It resonates with our with our experience of life and it helps us to understand life. It affirms something which we all know and that is that life is not simple, that life is in fact quite complex but it also affirms for us that in God's light the world is not chaos. It's not chaos. Now, God doesn't do all of our thinking for us. God reveals to us that which we need to know. He reveals to us that there is an order in creation, that he has created the world in an orderly way. He reveals to us the, the reasons for the disorder in the world in terms of the sinfulness of our human hearts. God reveals to us what he has done in Christ to bring us back into the good order of his creation in terms of recreation he reveals what we need to know to be saved but he doesn't tell us how we should make every single decision of our lives instead God's word give us, gives us uh, the principles teaches us the character of God the character of living in this world and it gives us what we need to live our lives, to live all aspects of our lives wisely, with discipline and with prudence under God. God doesn't make all the decisions for us. He doesn't do all of our thinking for us. He gives us the wisdom that we might actually apply that wisdom in a way that brings honour to him. 
And we're going to flesh that out a little bit more next week. Peter's going to be preaching for us. And we're going to look at the topic of wisdom and work, how we apply God's wisdom in understanding the work of our hands in terms of our employment. Let's um, pray and uh, I'll lead us in that. Father, we thank you uh, that you have created an orderly world and we thank you that, Father, as we uh, exist in that world, uh, that we would be those who live in the light of the gospel. Father, help us to be prudent, help us to be disciplined, help us to be wise, that we would make decisions that reflect your character as we navigate our way through the complexities of life in a way that brings honour to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.